You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolize Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to I'll Hang Up and Listen, brought to you by 43 North and Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case on George Urban Boulevard. I am Dwayne Stein. I'll host the Two Goalies, One Mike. Joined by my co-host, Connor Hurley, and our special guest, the one, the only, Walt. You better know you know, know him better as Sabermetrics on Twitter. Also, contributor for the Charging Buffalo. Uh, boys, uh, tough 4-3 uh, loss tonight. Um, a lot to talk, talk about, a lot to digest. Um, initial thought, start with you, Walt. Uh, I mean, I, I was really expecting them to come out, get a win tonight, kind of build off the momentum they had that Tampa game. And really just to head back to that direction it looked like we were going after the first two games of the season and starting the season one and three while Ottawa and Detroit are three and one. I think it's definitely a little concerning and I'm starting to get worried, to be honest. <laughs> Else. Yeah, I I fully agree. Um, I guess I just want to start off. I just found this in my extra room here. Has anyone seen this man? Does anyone know who he is <laughs> or what player he was that we traded in, in the Jack Eichel trade for? Um, I think a lot of people have noticed, but uh, my good my good buddy Jack um, has has said he's he's been the worst player on the ice for all four games for either team to be in the season. He's been really really bad the top line hasn't been good and tage obviously finally got a goal tonight but alex tuck does not look like the same player right now and that is extremely concerning he's giving the puck away even towards the end of the game he had a two-on-two with with tage thompson and he just weakly meandered around the offensive zone and gave it away and i think he's had more turnovers than shots on nets to begin the season so i think it's something we could get into but that's my immediate reaction alex tuck looks Horrible. Yeah, I, I agree with all points. Uh, that whole top line, uh, five on five, has been, you know, I mean, did anyone think that, like, they'd be this bad uh, four games in? Like, no, I don't no. think so. <laughs> this bad. Um, I don't think anyone thought that Jordan Greenway up until tonight would be part of the best line on the team four games in. Um, I uh, – it, it, there's a lot again, uh, a lot to talk about, but Alex Tuck for sure. I think this might be a situation where he's just really gripping his stick, just looking to catch a break, uh, much like Tage Thompson was until he finally scored on the uh, on that power play. Um, I, I feel with him, as soon as that first one goes in, he'll finally just start to loosen up and you know start playing like the player we've seen the past year and a half since the Jack Eichel trade. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, 
And I guess we can get right to it. I mean, I think the fan base is quick to jump on goalies because uh, obviously the past 10 years have, have not been good. But Devin Levi didn't have a good night. Uh, the first goal was obviously really weak. He lost track of the puck. Uh, the second goal, I think, could be slightly contributed to Connor Clifton diving in front of him, and he had no idea where it was. And that fourth goal was also a little bit soft. Uh, I think this is a larger conversation about what they didn't do in the offseason and clearly their lack of trust with anyone not named Devin Levi. And for a 21-year-old kid playing four games in a week, uh, his first full NHL season, that's difficult. And I even thought tonight might have been a Comrie game, uh, especially with Goathead night coming up on Saturday. We talked about it last podcast, Dwayne. I, I thought it could have been a good rest opportunity, especially with a huge game on Saturday night against the Islanders. But Levi did not look great tonight. Uh, he had a lot of really good saves, that breakaway, a couple breakaway saves uh, to be included in that. But just in general, he looked a little bit shaky. He didn't have his usual puck tracking skills that he normally does. So at least slightly concerning, but I'm by no means ready to give up on the kid. I, I think you still run with him on Saturday and then you figure it out. But Because they clearly don't trust anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I think I was really expecting Comrie to get this game. And I think maybe they might give him Saturday. So I think a lot of people forget like how good he was to end out last season. I mean, he got a major shutout against the Islanders that kept the Sabres in the playoff race down the stretch last year. And he's just a really solid backup goalie. And I don't really think you're getting like worse results than you got out of Levi tonight. And you can maybe let Levi get out of his own head a little bit, kind of watch the game from the sidelines and kind of get back into his usual routine. I think that would be huge for the team. So yeah, I really just think, Tonight definitely wasn't a good night. I mean, I'm really glad that fifth goal didn't go in on him because I feel like that oh, is when things could have maybe went nuclear just with him because I don't really think he's really faced adversity like that. I mean, definitely not at the NHL level. And, yeah, he's been – I just haven't been blown away by him yet this season like I have last year. I know he's made some key saves, but he's really canceled out with just those soft goals he's been letting in so far. Yeah, I uh, in terms of tonight, yeah, the fourth goal, you, you have to have that save. Um, it was a bad angle shot, um, far side. You, you got to make that stop. I think it kind of caught him, caught him sleeping a little bit. Um, in terms of the first goal, I mean, Hurls, you're a goalie. We've all been there. I mean, it's still you got to want you want you want him to react better to that that initial shot. But I, he probably felt it. Seen him. He felt he felt it. Felt that it's we've all been there. You look, he looked immediately behind him, thinking that he had to cover up behind him. And by the time he realized where it was, I mean, the puck was in the net. Um, am I going to put the blame on 100% there? No, I mean, you, you want to save. But um, I'd also like, you know, the amount of times we've seen Levi bail them out tonight. Again, they were out chance and outshot by quite a bit. Um, sometimes you need to bail your goalie out too, especially on that second one. We all want to like look at Connor Clifton diving down, but what what the hell was Eric Johnson doing? Eric Johnson was right next to his man, and what's what's the one thing we talk the most about when it comes to these defensemen, Connor? Puck, Puck watching. watching, Puck watching, and that's what Eric Johnson, you know, a Grizzly veteran, Stanley Cup champion. I mean, guilty of it tonight. Puck watching. Take your man. Pick up his stick with your stick. You're allowed to do that as long as you're not hooky. You're allowed to pick up a stick. And you're just sitting there staring at the puck. And just like Yoki Haru on opening night, easy tapping goal. I mean, I'll put that more on Eric Johnson than, than Clifton. Personally, Clifton was just laying out, doing whatever he could to stop that pass from getting over under him. 
For um, sure. And then that third goal, I mean, what are you going to do? And then the fourth one, yeah, he's, he's got to have that. Yeah, no, I mean, he had some big saves, obviously, the, the breakaways uh, included in that. Um, but I think the most concerning thing, as I mentioned with, with Alex Tuck, is obviously that top line. Um, in terms of what you've seen, Walt, in terms of, like, the lack of chemistry, the lack of, like, they've looked disjointed um, when in the past it looks like they were the Harlem Globetrotters out there. Like, what do you attribute this, like, slow as molasses start for this, what was largely one of the best lines in the league last year? Yeah, they seem to be a line that's really like based on feel and really just based on playing on the rush and whatnot. So I think starting off those two games against teams like the Rangers and Islanders who sit back in that trap definitely wasn't ideal for that line to get things going. And then you play a team like Tampa who kind of opened things up a little bit for them defensively. And we really saw the top line kind of get going that first period and then they disappeared the final two periods and they didn't come back tonight either. And Calgary definitely is not the best defensive team, but they kind of looked like it against the Sabres top line. And yeah, I mean, they've just looked off so far. I mean, really just those puck touches, uh, just whiffing on shots, whiffing on passes, really just losing puck battles too easily. I really think that's probably my greatest concern with this current Sabres team is that their top line doesn't really seem like a real deal top line. It seems like a lot of players who can be great complementary pieces and a guy like Tage Thompson, who's pretty elite in what he does in scoring goals and making offensive moves. But to me, they just don't seem like a complete top line that you see from some other teams in the league. Like I don't really consider... I mean, outside of Alex Tuck, who's been pretty bad so far, I don't consider Skinner and Thompson to be like complete players who I expect to win every situation they're thrown in. I think they can dominate when things are played into their favor, but I don't really think those are players that can kind of shift the game in their favor no matter the opponent always produce. I think they're always going to be players that have a few games off, and I don't know if this Sabres team can afford to have that with – how tight the playoff race is going to be this season. I mean, they absolutely cannot. And I think the expectation coming into this year is obviously that the top line was going to continue to produce. We, they have for the most part of the past season and a half. And now that they're getting everybody's best line, the, everyone knows what they were capable of last season. They're going to face a harder defensive effort every single time they're out on the ice. They're going to face their top D pair. They're going to face the checking line. They're going to face the best defensive forwards. So they're going to have to figure something out. And if that means separating separating them for a little bit, still giving them that chemistry on the first power play unit potentially could help when they do have the ability to make plays with each other and find each other. That might be what they need to do. Um, I guess a bright spot tonight, I think Dylan Cousins' line looked great after a rough start to the year in the first three games. Uh, Paterka largely looks really, really good. He looks like the player we saw in the uh, the World Championships this past May. Very fast. Already two goals, and he's getting pucks on net. That, that uh, between the legs opportunity was honestly I, not even I. I didn't even think it was flashy. I thought it was his best play in in that situation. So maybe splitting up those six guys, figuring something out because obviously through four games in, that's not working. And then you have the Islanders again on Saturday night, who are going to do the exact same thing they did last Saturday night. So Donnie's got to figure something out because right now it's it does not look good. In terms of the first line, um, I mean. We're four games in. Um, is it a little concerning? Yes, but I don't think I'm going to just, you know, run for the hills on them quite yet because we we have seen how dominant they can be. 
Um, I just think they just they just have to they just have to get out of this rut that they're in. Um, they did run into a uh, you know that line did run into like small ruts last year too. Um, I'm not I'm not willing. I don't think I'm willing quite yet to break them up. Just maybe let them figure it out. Um, I, and I again I I just I just we've all seen how dominant they can be um, when they're clicking and that chemistry and they're flowing like that's a top five line in the league. It was last year at least. And uh, I'm not quite willing yet to break them up just because I know how deadly of a power, a dominant of a line they can be. Yeah. I mean, as, as well mentioned though, like there is a point to be made that they're somewhat one dimensional. Like Tate Thompson was one of the worst defensive forwards in hockey last year. Uh, Jeff Skinner is not necessarily known for his defense and at his best, Alex Tuck can be a two-way player, but so far this season, we've seen better defensive efforts from their opponents and you've seen them basically just fumble the puck through the neutral zone and not get any sustained offensive zone pressure whatsoever. So, yeah, I mean, you you put them back out there against the Islanders, they're going to have to fundamentally change how they're operating against a team like that. And if the same thing happens, you're going to start to feel the pressure. You're going to – I mean, after game – it was game two, they switched it up and put Tyson Jost back in the lineup, took Olofsson out, a guy who clearly doesn't give you a complete game, and if your top guys who are you are relying on to score goals, especially at five on five, not just on the power play, it's good for Tage to finally get one. But at the same time, like that's somewhat expected at this point. So they're going to really need to figure something out, especially against a team like the Islanders who have stifled the Sabres in every recent game we played them. So we'll see what happens. Your thoughts, Walt? Yeah, I mean, I almost think they may have to go back to what they're doing last season and put Middlestat up on that top line with Tuck and Skinner, just because I think Middlestat's a, a lot harder on pucks than Tage Thompson is. Like he'll win four checking battles. He's a million times better at playing through like hard four checkers than Tage Thompson is. Really, just because I almost feel like Thompson's size can be a disadvantage at times. Like he's pretty easy to shut out of plays. I mean, if you're playing against a six six guy that obviously has a huge stick. I mean, you're really able just to forecheck and get the puck off the stick pretty easily. I mean, that's kind of why he struggled in the league in the first place. So I think maybe you try a new look there at Casey Middlestat. Cause when the Sabres were on that run towards the end of last season, like Tage Thompson was hurt and even the games he played, he was still playing kind of hurt and the Sabres were still winning hockey games with that as their top line. So I almost think like, your only way to battle through this, I feel like, is just spreading the wealth throughout the lineup and just trying to win through depth. Because right now, I think their depth, I mean, it's obviously going to get there, but there's still so many pieces that I think are too young to place big minutes on. Like Benson, he's had some great games. He's been quiet a few games, but he's 18 years old, was a 13th overall pick in the last draft. So I think if you could kind of spread out the wealth through that lineup, I mean, maybe put thompson tuck and skinner on three separate lines and just try to see where you could go from there because at this point they're losing ground pretty quickly and i know everybody's like oh it's game four of 82 i mean the sabers were one point away from the playoffs last year like every single point in this league matters and i think just starting off like this is not ideal and i think they really need to hurry up and find a solution before things get out of control really quickly i mean we saw things during that COVID year, I mean, that losing streak, they kept losing one after another after another, just snowballed into a wasted yeah. season. 
I think uh, some of the differences between, you know, at least you bring up COVID is, I mean, we were never even in those games. It, it was like, it was, they were miserable to watch. The one thing I'll say is at least with these games, we're not getting blown out. I mean, that Rangers game was tough. I mean, to that, to, to, in, in reference to that game, I don't think any of us expected the New York Rangers to play that type of style of hockey. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're, they've always been a very North South team. Uh, you do everything on the rush. Um, they, they, you know, they're not afraid to take chances because they know they have Igor Stierskin in that. So they know they could take chances. I mean, they played the, the one, three, one better than the Islanders ever did that, that night. Like that was nuts. I was sitting there, you know, sitting there front and center watching it along with the, with the U-Hurls. And it's like, they weren't even sending that first four checker into the zone. They were, they were keeping him in the neutral zone. They were letting Buffalo come in, you know, daring them to try and carry it through the neutral zone. And Buffalo didn't have an answer for that because they, they just didn't game plan for that. But at the end of the day, in the, in the National Hockey League, you should know how to play against the trap. You, you played against it before. You should know how to. And we're going to play against it again on Saturday night, on Goathead night. And um, in terms of uh, the goaltending, um, I don't know. I don't know. Do you, do you, I mean, you have to go to Comrie on Saturday, right? You don't do him five, give him five games in a row. Yeah, especially after a night like tonight. I, I think he – obviously that first goal – anybody any goalie knows it if you let in the first shot of the game technically the second like you're a little bit rattled and I I do think it affected him a little bit he didn't have his typical aggressiveness he didn't seem like he was tracking pucks as he normally does and it could be somewhat contributed to the pressure of these four games in seven days like that is a lot for a kid coming directly out of college that skipped the AHL we heard it all offseason this has never happened before a kid 21 years old to jump directly into the NHL with all of the pressures of a 13 year playoff drought, almost squarely on his shoulder, his in the top line shoulder. And for the most part, they all have not performed as well as we expected them to. And that was the biggest deal coming into this season, sustaining that scoring that the Sabres had last season and also getting better goaltending. I would say through the first half of the game, that base level of goaltending was a little bit better. And especially on Tuesday night, like I think Devin Levi was a big reason they won that game, but consistency is key. And as Walt said, like every point matters, like, of course there's 78 games left, but it could get early real quick as, as Yogi Berra said. So they got to figure something out. Um, Another bright spot. I I said it uh, right before I came on. Rasmus Dallin is without a shred of a doubt, top five defenseman in the NHL. He is incredible even that move he made on the on the blue line like five minutes left in the third period uh he pivoted back a defender right on him at the blue line to gain space cross ice pass i think it was over to skinner who eventually got a a shot on that his poise with the puck i think he already has four assists um his physical game his defensive game you saw what the power play looked like after that horrible call of him just shoving magiapani back after he uh instigated after the initial high sticking penalty you saw what it looked like with him not on it. Owen Power is a good player, but Rasmus Dahlin is head and shoulders above him still at this point, and that says a lot. So that's another – I'm just grasping at straws here because it's it's been really rough to start the year, but Rasmus Dahlin <laughs> looks incredible. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the same. I mean, Dahlin, I mean, he's definitely looks every bit worth of that contract he just got. I mean, $11 million for a defenseman, but you're getting a great defenseman, and like you said, I think he just excels in so many areas of the game that really aren't just collecting points on the power play, like an Eric Carlson type 
like when he signed that huge contract, I think there's just so much more dimension to his game. And he's been really outstanding. I think it's really been like kind of overshadowed by how the Sabres have played. And I think also the same thing like with goaltending too. I think there's just so much more focus on it just because the Sabres have been getting so outplayed on the ice in front of them. Like if the Sabres were playing like every game, like outchancing their opponents two to one, Levi could be playing like this and the Sabres would still be like a 4-0 team. But since the Sabres are playing awful in front of them, I mean, you're really looking for a guy to steal games and to ask that from a rookie goalie. I mean, to ask that from really any goalie in the NHL outside of like three or four guys is a tall task. So I think, I mean, the situation with the Sabres right now, it's just, I think it could get really interesting if they don't win games soon because they're in such a weird part of this rebuild. I mean, it's pretty much just starting, but with the playoff drought and all the pressure surrounding it, it feels like this is like the final stage of where they should make it. So I think it could get real interesting to see like how ownership views the GM spot, how they view the coaching spot and how they're really going to kind of battle through this tough patch. Yeah. Um, in terms of like where they are on the rebuild, I mean, I mean, it were one and three. Um, I, I always kind of said, um, let's get through the first 10 and see where we're at. Um, I still think, you know, through 10, we could be five and five. I mean, the first three games of the season, those are three tough games. You're playing two of the arguably the best goalies in the world back to back. Even with, without Anders Vasilevsky and Steven Stamkos, that's still a very highly offensively talented Tampa Bay Lightning team, which you were able to beat. Um, and then you come in here against a Flames team who, yes, has had their struggles, but, I mean, they still have good talent up front. Um, the only thing I don't like is the fact that you're playing a guy uh, in net that, in my opinion, is much beneath Devin Levi, and you should you should get a win tonight for sure. And, you know, in spite of, what you know, a, you know, a bad goal or two, uh, when you're top three offensively uh, uh, scoring team last year, you have this is a game where you just need to kind of break out of those ruts, and they they couldn't. Um, in in regards to it potentially getting interesting, where the Sabers are in the rebuild, and how this season potentially could transpire as a result of that. Let's say they're three and seven, or even four and six after ten games. That's a good chunk of the season. Um, do you feel like a trade for a goalie or a defenseman? Let's say John Gibson. Let's say Brett Pesci. Let's say the San Jose Sharks have a fire sale and Logan Couture, big Bills fan, Logan Couture wants to come to the Sabres. Um, is that the route you think Kevin Adams could take as a, as a break glass in case of emergency? Let's actually bring in some guys here who have established NHL careers and playoff experience, a lot of talent still. Is that a legitimate possibility? Because I think everybody in the room knows that if they flame out and had a worse season than last season and are out of the race by early March or even sooner, that is catastrophic for where the Sabres are right now. What, well, what do you think? Do you think a trade could happen about 10 games in? I think that might be a little too early just because I think that's the point where every team that looks like they're going to be bad probably still thinks they're good and has a chance. And just with the goalie market that we see now where every team's hoarding goalies, like there's teams that – like five or six teams in the NHL have three goalies right now because they don't want to lose their third goalie. So it's just like the market's going to be so tough, I think, for Kevin Adams to navigate. And I think it was tough for him this season too because, I mean, 
Sabres were in on a lot of rumors that a lot of Sabres fans were interested in, but like really none of those players, their their rumors about ever got moved. I mean, if anything, those guys sound signed uh, long-term deals with their current teams. So that's why I think it'll just get so tough if the losing continues to go on, just because I don't think there's a lot of avenues to kind of save the season if what they have with their current group goes south. And it's kind of why I'm not really envious of anyone in the Sabres front office or coaching staff right now, because I don't know what things will look like if this top line and this current group they have can't turn things around, because it's going to get real tough to change what they currently have. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm reading some quotes here from the post game. Uh, not to, I'm not trying to change the subject, but uh, Eric Johnson. Um, I know if you guys caught his uh, like intermission interview. Yeah. Um, so well spoken. It was really good. Yes. Uh, this is Eric Johnson of the game. Well, I think we're getting a little scores like that most of the year, but until we have a commitment to team defense, we won't accomplish much. Like no truer words could possibly be spoken because. I mean, even if you want to consider like this a bad game for Levi, which I guess you could. Um, I mean, he still pulled a lot of big saves out of his ass tonight to try and keep you in it. Even after that bad fourth goal, and obviously that that goal review where was it in, was it in? We don't know. You know, still don't have the technology to really give us the right answer. Um, it's crazy. How do they not have that technology? I know. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the NHL is just. Yeah, you, you, I'm you, thankful that they don't. But God yeah, damn, you see, you see the kind of cameras they have in the NFL. You think they could figure something? Putting, I mean, even just VAR and angle. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. He bounced back with a couple big saves. Um, that wrap around uh, the one right in front where he was able to seal the ice. Um, you know, honestly, I think he's one of the better goalies in the league. At, you know, when he gets down with sealing that ice and not giving up anything down low. Um, you know, even with the one or two bad goals, um, you still had a chance to win there. But to Eric Johnson's point, like it's the same old story with this with these defensive pairings. You you, you don't play physical. Like, I I've said this for two years now. The Buffalo Sabers are the worst team in the National Hockey League below their own dots. They just are. They are horrendous. They 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 puck watch. Their sticks, their sticks are windshield wipers. They, I mean, defense 101, don't look down at the puck. Look at their body. Keep their hips in front of you when they're in tight. Just play good body position. If you have a, if, if, if there's a man, open back door. Take him. Don't even worry about the puck carrier. Don't worry about the puck carrier. That's the goaltender's job. Goalie takes the shooter. Worry about the guy, the guy back door. And they just never do it. It drives me insane. Like, and you bring in a guy like Connor Clifton, who you see was willing to sell out in front of his own net, but you need everybody else on the same page too. And every single player on that blue line is, is guilty of it. Owen Power's guilty of it. And this season too, Owen Power's guilty of it. Darlene's guilty of it. Yoki Hari was definitely guilty of it. Um, Eric Johnson, Clifton, like you, you need your units to have better awareness in front of their own net below those dots, and they just don't. Yeah, I don't want to – too dramatic but Saturday could be like a season defining game for this team especially going against a, an opponent that's had their number with likely Eric Comrie in that um, as, as Walt said like I'm at least somewhat confident in him to make the save that he needs to uh, I think Levi obviously like got in his own head a little bit but I think 
with a little bit better team defense and a solid game from Comrie, they could absolutely win a three to two game. It's going to really come down to a solid team effort. And obviously that top line stepping up uh, if they do stay together, which I think they probably will. Um, but if they lose that at home, go ahead night, that could be really tough. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I want. Yeah, I mean, up. I'd say. No, go ahead, Walt. Oh, go ahead. No, no you go ahead. I want to this from Mauricio, Connor's best friend on the show. Um, comedy of errors, circus act, too many penalties, poor defensive coverage, suspect nervous goalie, and poor coaching, and too many men on the ice. Unacceptable. Where is the attention to detail, Granado? Uh, we talked about this before the show. Um, that's unacceptable, you know, from your staff to allow too many men down by one with a minute and a half left. Or actually, no, it was like a little bit more than a minute and a half left when you take that penalty. And right before that, you have an offensive zone draw, two minutes, 15 seconds left. You just got done having some some zone pressure with the Gergensons and Akposa line out there. Now you got your guys rested, you know, for at least a minute. You get them out there. Why are you not taking your time out right then and there to get all your uh, all your ducks in a row? Like, it, I, and this my issues with him and this time is management of how he uses his time out is dating back now for over a year. He is one of the worst I've ever seen. He really is. How do you not take your time out there? What are you waiting for? You might not get another opportunity to take it. Why are you not taking it there when you have the offensive zone draw? Draw something up. And this even goes to my point. I think he has one of the worst staffs in the league around him. Like Matt Ellis is an assistant coach of the National Hockey League. How the hell did that happen? Yeah, I mean, I think just the just the details in terms of stuff like that, I feel like hasn't been great. I think the staff's been good player development, but at a certain point, I think just those finer details of how you close out games. And I'm also not really a fan of like kind of Granado's like lax attitude towards like finding their feet and like finding a team's identity like 20 games into the season, especially in a season like this year where the Sabres really aren't head and shoulders above everyone else. And if they fall behind, in these first 20 games, I don't think they have the talent to make up for it in the final 62. So I kind of want to see like, I don't know, just a bit more like just admitting that the team's playing bad and that they need to be better rather than, Oh yeah, we're still trying to find our feet. Like it seems like every other team has found their feet when they play the Sabres. And it seems like a team like the Detroit Red Wings who added a ton of pieces in the off season who probably shouldn't be a team that has their feet right now. It seems like they have their feet right now. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I love Granado as a coach, but I feel like things are going to turn south against him really quickly if they don't start pulling out some wins over these next 10, 15 games, just because all the pressure that's surrounding this team and this being the year that they break the playoff drought. Yep. I, I agree. Uh, in terms, like I said, like my, I understand in last last uh, year is testament to it that every point matters. Um, I really kind of use the 10 game point for me as a benchmark, especially kind of looking at that opening like lineup of games. It's like, geez, man, that's a tough, you know, that, that, that that's a tough break that you're getting those. Well, before he got hurt, the three best goalies in the world, arguably three, you know, by the time their career is over, potentially three best Russian goalies that ever lived, uh, you know, find me better ones, honestly. Um, and then obviously you're going into uh, right back into it with Sorokin on Saturday night and then the schedule to follow. 
Uh, I know we have Montreal, a team that's on the rebuild too. You hopefully get a win there. You're hopefully you were supposed to get a win tonight against again a very a goaltender was essentially like asking you to beat him. Um, I really felt we didn't challenge we didn't really challenge him enough at all. We, we talked pre-show about the amount of fan shots they had tonight that kind of blew my mind. Like that one to Jeff Skinner, like. When's the last time you saw a Jeff Skinner fan on a shot that badly when he's not being pressured at all and he has all the time in the world? Like, yeah. this thing, this thing was going their way tonight. Yeah, uh, another game with a lot of blocked shots, too. They're yeah. just not picking their head up. They're, there's no patience. There's no chemistry. There's there's no legitimate puck movement in the offensive zone, which is, I guess, what we've gotten accustomed to in recent years with this team. They've moved the puck around so quickly and so fluidly. Um, and they just, they, like you said, they're, they're gripping their sticks too hard. There's a lot of incongruence with how they're moving the puck with each other in the off the offensive zone. So if it continues to happen a couple more games like this, like you really do need to switch it up. And I, I think, I think we'll know on Saturday and maybe at the end of this homestand, uh, with Winnipeg on Monday, but something's going to have to change if it, if it continues like this, cause it's, it's going to get really, really, really quick for this team. The Eastern Conference looks good. I think we are all like at least semi-worried about the Red Wings and the Senators, but they look like the, especially. The, the additions that they made and the people they got back, it looks legitimately very good. And I think this, the moves this, the Senators made, as you said, like they got a really good goalie in Corpusalo and they have a good backup in Forsberg. Um, the Red Wings got a lot of talent in the offseason. It was kind of random, their additions here and there. But when you put it all together, they already had a pretty solid team and they're going to have good performance so far from their goalies. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think we had our concerns about this team coming in, but we were all just like so optimistic from the end of last season. And of course, with the debut of Devin Levi. But if they don't live up to their expectations, this could get ugly really, really quick. And we're seeing it so far four games in. Do I yeah, I think that's really concerning with their start. I mean, even their underlying stats haven't been that great so far. So I think for a lot of Sabres fans, I think we're kind of, I mean, I know it's only four games, but we also have those 82 games from last season in our minds as well. And the Sabres played well last year. I mean, not well enough to get to the playoff spot, but I still thought they're like just an extremely incomplete team last year. So the hope was they kind of come flying out the gates and show us that that type of plays past them, but they really came out and showed that, they're really not too different from last year. And the guys that are really hoping to be better from last season kind of look like they have the same flaws. So I I almost don't have that much hope with this team just because they haven't shown us really much play to be hopeful for. I mean, it's kind of something that we kind of think is still to come, but they haven't shown us they've been able to do it yet. So it's kind of like, am I just hoping for something that's just never going to come with this team? Yeah, um, you see teams around us in the division like Toronto and their star players playing as well as they are. I mean, Austin Matthews was was at six goals in the first two games. Just guy was on fire, you know. And we honestly were used to this team having hot starts in October, and then to the points made earlier, you know, you have a bad November, and then you you pick it back up again. And then like last year, what 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 was the second month where we completely we were like like two and two and ten or something like that that month. What month was it? Uh, I think it was it was last year. I mean, they no, had no, that no, stretch. There was, there was two different months. Oh, where 20, 2018 
there was that 10 game win streak. Oh, I'm talking then, about last year. I'm talking about last year. Oh, last year. And, and then March, I think Mar- early March is March well. and, and I think November. Yeah, March they were awful. <laughs> yeah, and I think November too. Like they had that hot start in October. They looked on they looked unstoppable. And then they just caught a rut. I believe it was in November. Started to pick things back up. They were, you know, winning enough games to keep themselves in the race. Uh, despite bad goaltending, you know, you could only start, you know, your best goaltender at 40 years old, one every four or five games. Um, and then that March hit and they hit that absolute skid mark and just could not recover. I mean, yeah, sure. You could say if Devin Levi starts his NHL career a few games earlier, they make the playoffs uh, and beat out Florida for that last spot. But at the end of the day, like, I look at this team at face value last year compared to this year. And I just, I know those top players will figure it out. Like Tage Thompson to me is just too good to not figure it out. Alex Tuck cares too much to not figure it out. We know how much that guy cares and he's going to literally give everything he can to, to figure it out. Jeff Skinner. I mean, regardless of, you know, Obviously, a guy who's been in the league as long as he has been, never been to the playoffs, but he is a goal scorer, and he has scored goals this year. He, I think he'll figure it out. Um, what concerns me the most is that blue line not figuring it out for another year, and we're going to sit here and spend another year wondering why you didn't do enough, get Owen Power his legitimate D, D partner. Was he was he with Yoki Haru again today? Yeah, but the the weird part, like Yoki Haru actually wasn't that bad tonight. Um, he obviously hasn't been that good to begin the year, but he also, I really don't think he had a bad night tonight. Um, I think, as you said, the, largely a te- the team defense as a whole, the center group, the wings getting the puck out of the zone. You yeah. even saw a turnover with Zach Benson on the fourth goal tonight. Of course, he's an 18-year-old rookie, but he fell down. Darlene got caught up in the play, and it eventually turned into a goal. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. And I don't think it's always just the defense, but at the end of the day, they probably didn't do enough both on the blue line and in net. Uh, They clearly, I mean, I I hope they eventually trust Comrie and I I hope he proves it because I do believe he can be that solid backup, but as tough as it is to say, like going with Devin Levi as your legitimate bona fide starter. He's going to be amazing. Have a two, three and a nine twenty in his first NHL season as a rookie goalie without much help, or at least someone they can trust was kind of a, a strange notion. I, I said it all summer. Like I didn't want more than 40 games from this kid and he's very good. And I think he's going to be a legitimate NHL starter, but the workload, the pressure, everything related to this position is really, really difficult. And yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. Like I do think he's gonna be very good, but we saw with a night like tonight, just coming after an amazing game on Tuesday, like it might be a little bit too much right now. Like his game is not completely refined. So they're gonna. I really do believe they're gonna have to do something. You met you mentioned Brett Pesci last show in Carolina. We've talked about a few other options, but the team defense is not good enough surrounding him right now, unless he plays out of his mind, which might not happen at this point in his career. In terms of the forwards, yeah, I, no guy Walter. Sorry. Well, yeah, I was just I was gonna talk about forwards as well. I mean, I was just gonna say like Thompson and Cousins as your one and two center. Like, I just don't know how much defense you'll ever get out of those guys. So, I mean, that's probably my biggest concern with how the current core is built is that you've got two top centers making seven million plus, and neither of them know how to play defense at the NHL level. Um. 
I, I think more Cousins, uh, I think, has more of that ability to be the more refined two-way player, uh, 200-foot player. I mean, Tage, I'm willing to accept the deficiencies for what he does offensively. Um, but I, I think Cousins will figure that out. Like, I've always said that I felt he he really reminds me a lot of a more uh, a, a ver- uh, better, more skilled version of, like, a Michael Pekka. Uh, obviously, with more of a scoring touch. Um, but... In terms, in terms of that, like I, I can agree on on Tage, but I just think he brings much more to the table offensively than anything, and maybe that that's because of that you're willing to you know to deal with some of the deficiencies defensively. Um, but on the blue line again, I mean, I know we, Yoki Haru might have not had a, a bad night tonight, but to me, it's just it's not going to get it done as your guy with own power. It's just not like you need a lockdown guy, and he's not a lockdown guy. You, just, you need somebody back there that we know we all have seen how good and gifted Owen Power is. He's not a shutdown defensive defenseman. He has so much offensive upside. Um, we're not really getting the full version of Owen Power that we wanted to see this year because, once again, we don't have any consistency on his other side. Yeah, um, it's a good point about Tage and Cousins. Like, they're still very young. Like we, we have these expectations, we have this core locked up and for the most part, it is projection based their contracts, uh, the seven year, seven, seven million dollars a year. It does seem like a deal, but they still have only played two full seasons in the NHL. Uh, they're not Patrice Bergeron as much as we want Dylan Cousins to turn into Patrice Bergeron. He's not that player yet. And he still needs to get stronger. He still needs to be more aware in his own zone. I think he's had a, these past two games have obviously been a little bit better, and he definitely needed that goal the other night. But as your second line center, you're going to need more from him. Uh, yeah, all 100 feet of the ice, all 180 feet. Um, so yeah, <laughs> as we as we knew coming into the season, I they can score goals, but can they defend both as a team from a defensive perspective and goaltending? And right now we're we're not getting that. Um, so yeah, just to stress it again, Saturday is absolutely massive, and. It's another game at home, and as we continue to see at home, it it looks like they're nervous playing in front of eleven thousand fans. Like you even saw it Thursday night. That, that's that was a packed barn. The atmosphere was amazing. Um, one of the best atmospheres I've seen in a really long time. And they just they just came out flat and they couldn't get past a trap. But even tonight, for whatever reason, at home, it doesn't look like they're they're as loose as they usually are on the road. And I know this season's different from last, but. I guess we'll see next week once they, they go on a bit of a road trip, but it doesn't look good so far. Um, I didn't, I mean, I don't think they had as bad of a start as they had obviously against the Rangers and even the Islanders tonight. Um, just a goofy goal to start things off a little deflating, but they came right back up and tied it. They did have a couple good chances right after that goal was scored on them. Um, that they go down two one, they come back and they tie it. They go down three, two, they come back and tie it. Like the effort, I mean, I, the effort was definitely there. It's just, it just looks so blah. Like the chemistry wasn't there. The, like what we saw again, again, it was, you know, three on three overtime, but tape to tape passing, uh, you know, that cohesiveness, you know, where when they have control of the puck, they just, you know, they're going to maintain it and, and create chances. We just did not see that consistently tonight. And, you know, for the first time this season, you know, your third line, who's been your best line, you know, they looked like a third line. Yeah, I mean, really, I, th- I think when you're a team that relies so much on offense, 
and that offense doesn't show up and you're not great defensively, I mean, that's just going to spell trouble for a lot of teams set up that way. I almost say it's better to be a team that's good defensively just because you can have a bad day on offense and still have your defense be good enough to shut things out and keep you in it. But when you're set up like the Sabres and you just don't have that team defense and your offense just does not show up at all, I mean, you just get games like tonight where it's just like – just not good hockey. I mean, it's just not enjoyable to watch. Would you um, – oh, I, I apologize. I had, just had the thought in my head. Um, what is the timetable for Matthew Savoy's return? I mean, he's still with the team, right? They haven't – I mean, they, they have to keep him on the roster until he, you know, he come, you know, he's healthy. But, like, there's also – I don't think anything's stopping them from telling him he can go back home, to you know, so he's there once – you know, he's cleared and they can send him down. Um, I'd assume that he would get some games in Buffalo. Like what's his timetable? Yeah, I think, I know he's been skating with the team. I don't know when exactly yeah. he's going to come back, but I think the big thing with him is they want, if they want to activate him off the IR, they need to make a move on their 23 man roster. And even if he gets a conditioning stint in the AHL, he'll still count towards that 23 man roster. So yeah. I think at this point, like they're going to have to waive someone uh, unless they just decide to send ba- Benson back to WHL. But like, I'm wondering if that's kind of the holdup. I mean, they're going to have to move or trade probably that third goalie eventually, but yeah, it's just, or just not carry who that third goalie is. Yeah. It'd be great just not to have three goaltenders on your 23 man roster. It'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. So they're finally, I mean, I imagine with Savoy getting healthy again, uh, they're, could maybe be pressured into making a decision there. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you're probably leaning towards UPL because you can't send him down. He's on a one-way contract now. He would have to clear waivers, and I don't think he would. No. So, yeah. um, I mean, you'd probably be the guy. Fairburn made a good point in uh, his article today. Um, He said that Comrie really does seem like I guess this is before the game tonight where, where Levi really struggled, but he seems better to be a backup for this team. He's done it in the league before behind Connor Hellebuck. He has that mentality. Everybody in the locker room seems to love him, seems to be a super positive guy. He responds to losses really well, but he can also take long periods of time off and then also come in and play a good game. We, I, I think obviously everyone thinks to that 10 goal game against the stars last season and a few other ones, but he also had an injury early on in the season after starting the season. Yeah. Just starting the season really, really well on that West coast, West coast swing to begin the year last year. So I think Saturday he could all but erase that doubt that the two goalies moving forward this season will be him and Levi. And then from there, the Sabres have to pray that they get consistent, consistent performances from both of them, because I don't think this team defense is just going to get better automatically. And I think that at least partially comes down to coaching too. Like, I think we love the run and gun Don Granado style. Uh, we've mentioned the assistant coaches not being up to snuff a few different times, but this they had a, this, they had a guy in their organization that could have been up yeah. to snuff and now he's in New yeah, York. I mean, yeah. There's, it seems like there's a lot of moves that can come back to bite them pretty quickly, but this team defense and their philosophy isn't going to change overnight. They're going to need to start scoring goals. They're going to need to get at least three, four goals a game in better goaltending to even have a shot this season and four games in a week into the year, especially with the expectations we had all of this summer, a week and a half ago after the Dowling and power contracts, 
that's a really tough pill to swallow this early on in the season. So um, we'll see what happens, but I'm way less optimistic than I was uh, a week and a day ago. That's for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, it's just this whole season, I think it's just going to be so interesting with goaltending. I think that's one of the things to start things off. And uh, I do think Comrie, I, I feel like he's just the front runner to get that backup spot, even though we've seen them kind of rotate who's the backup goalie these first few games. And I think the other thing to mention with the UPL is just his cap hit. I mean, I believe it's like 830,000 something. So he's a guy where if they wanted to trade him, they could do it pretty easily. I mean, almost every team could fit a goalie like that under their cap. Even a team like Tampa could really manage to fit that contract under their cap. And I don't really think the Sabres probably care too much about having one of those guys clear waivers and head back to Rochester just because Rochester has a lot of goalies down there too. I mean, they got Michael Hauser. Uh, I mean, they have Cooley down there. They've got a lot of guys down there that could step into Karski. So I feel like if they move on from a goalie, I feel like it's going to come in the form of a, a Uko Pekalukin and trade. Yeah, I, I, I actually agree with you there. And I like, I've not, I mean, I, I wouldn't call myself a UPL defender in the past, but I mean, to, to Connor, to Hurls' point earlier in terms of who's better fit to back up a young Devin Levi. Um, my, if you're, if you're basing it off pure skill and athleticism, I'm going to tell you UPL all day. He's the more athletic goaltender. He's bigger. Uh, where he doesn't have it though is up here. Um, that's my biggest issue with him. Um, you know, where with Devin Levi, we saw it last year where he has a bad game. He has the ability to bounce back. Tonight, he gave a bad goal. He bounced back. Um, I, I just don't see that UPL. Um, he has – he goes through waves where, you know, like last season, he won, I think, was goalie of the month. And then you go through four or five games where it's just like, where is that guy? Uh, where with, with Comrie, he can be a calming presence in the stall next to Levi. Um, and I'm not saying that UPL can't be that that guy someday that's on the line, but right now I just don't think he is. And that's why I think he would be the guy probably to be traded. To your point, Walt, with the cap hit, and maybe, you know, we we have a lot of cap space to work with. Maybe you find a team that is looking to unload a bad contract with a year left on it. You know, you bring him in, you wave him, you send him down to Rochester, you know, or whatever you want to do because you don't want him on your roster. Maybe it's just a bad, a bad contract. Whether you're remaining on it, you give them UPL, maybe that betters your return in terms of draft capital. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I just, I, that's the guy I think once push comes to shove and you got to make a decision on Savoy, um, whether you want to utilize him in your lineup, give him a few games of that nine, those nine games, that's the guy that's got to go because I, I, I don't think you can justify waving anybody else. No, yeah. Sure. And I, yeah, I feel like they're also not going to roll with uh, – I feel like rolling with – they have seven defensemen, so they can't really wave a defenseman at this point. And when you have that many young forwards, you probably don't want to only roll with 13 forwards. So, yeah, I think goalie having three of them at this point, if they want to get Savoy some games or even send them to the AHL and conditioning stint, it's going to have to be a goalie yeah. that's moved. So, yeah, and – even from a forward perspective too, Olofsson and UPL are at least somewhat similar, like high upside guys, not very consistent, but potentially if you're willing to eat some cap or figure something out, like you could potentially work out a trade with both of those guys. It doesn't seem like 
either one has a clear path for the Sabres roster at this point. Uh, who knows what's going to happen, obviously. And of course, our expectations should be higher, but it doesn't look like either of those guys is going to play. So you got to figure something out. And uh, yeah, I mean, if a team is willing that currently has a backup goalie spot or spot on their second power play, I think either one of those guys, you got to at least try every single day with every single team to figure something out. I mean, I think, uh, Tampa, I think Tampa would be the big, like to your point earlier, like they're obviously without a legitimate starting goaltender for the first two months of the season at the very least. Um, I mean, who has more upside out of, out of those three goalies? What they have now, you know, like Johansson, uh, that other kid, Tompkins, uh, the uh, alleged Devin Levi doppelganger from the other night, or, uh, <laughs> you know, UPL, who, again, to, has one goalie of the month in the NHL. Can, you know, can you put him on a team like Tampa, give him a change of scenery, and maybe he performs well? I don't know. I don't know if Kevin has be willing to do that in the division. I don't know. But um, that would be the team I think I would look to first that would look to make a change in that just because obviously Vasilevsky's out uh, for an extended amount of time. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I personally don't have much left. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I feel like we've covered it pretty, yeah. pretty well here. Yeah, I feel like I've been on the vent enough after that rough loss tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Any predictions for Saturday night? Man, other than Comrie starting, which I think we can all agree on, I would hope for a three to two, three to one win. They really got to hunker down. I think they can stop that team offensively, and you need some offensive production from your best players. Otherwise, this season could be an absolute travesty. Uh, they need to figure something out, they need that chemistry back. So, yeah, hopefully a strong performance from Comrie, a couple big goals, and I would love to win a 3-2, three 3-1 to two, three to one game. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, like, every game against the Islanders this season and the few they had last season, I feel like it's always just a coin flip. I mean, it always just comes down to a few plays each game where if the puck would have bounced differently, different team would have won. So I'm hoping, like, 2-1 Sabres win. Just a tough, like, not a lot of chances, but Sabres pull out the win and, Comrie shows he could be a solid uh, NHL backup goalie. Yeah, uh, I definitely think that. I mean, again, I was hoping that we would see Devin Levi in that new, uh, you know, crispy clean setup he's, that we, we saw yeah. <laughs> uh, practice the other night. But just like last, I mean, last year was obviously understandable. You know, you're giving Craig Anderson his final game, uh, and the send off they gave him was was perfect. But um, you know, you're hoping to get Devin Levi on that first go-to-head game, and I think they dropped the ball on that one hard. I think absolutely. I think everybody up until that was announced this morning that he was in the starters crease that expected this to be a comedy game for sure. So yeah. I would say an 80% chance you're getting, you know, Eric Comrie on Saturday night. If they went if they went six in a row, or is it, yeah, no, five in a row with Devin Levi, that'd be freaking wild. Like, to start, yeah. that'd be wild. <laughs> like, that'd be wild. But – I mean, they did give him six starts in a row at the end of last year, so it wouldn't be unheard of. But it, I definitely don't think it would be Levi on Saturday. So, uh, Walt, uh, thank you again, man, for hopping on with us. Anybody who want, wants to, you know, catch his content on Twitter at Sabermetrics, he works with, alongside the Charging Buffalo. Uh, great stuff as usual, um, and I've always enjoyed uh, what you put out there, Walt. So, thanks again for hopping on, bud. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Always love hopping on here after a Sabres game.
Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, the next time we have you on, it won't be, uh, you know, after a disappointing. Fire Granado. Get him out of here. I know. I had to bring it up. I had to bring it up. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't Has do this. The same I, I, I legitimately cannot do this. Dude, again I saw that. I was doing it. I saw it. that. I saw that comment. I had to bring it up. I had to bring it up. I'm not doing it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing it. We're done. Shut off the stream. Shut off the stream. Uh, all right, everybody. This, uh, thanks again for joining. I'll hang up and listen. Of course, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, this is brought to you by 43 North and Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case. Tell them the boys from Two Boys on Mice sent you. Um, I am Dwayne for Hurls and for the Sabermetrics himself, Walt. Uh, we will talk to you on Saturday night. You guys enjoy your week. Good night. Hey, everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we're bringing coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwreckSports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.